1: we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
2: This is the best of Newt's World. Coming up, my conversation with Gary Sinise. On this episode of Newt's World, Gary Sinise's stage, film, and television career has spanned more than four decades. At the age of 18, he co-founded Chicago Steppenwolf Theater Company, and as Lieutenant Dan Taylor and Forrest Gump, he received nominations for Golden Globe, Screen Actors Guild, and Academy Awards, and earned the Best Supporting Actor Award from the National Board of Review and the Commander's Award from the Disabled American Veterans. His other film credits include Apollo 13, Ransom, Snake Eyes, Imposter, The Green Mile, Mission to Mars, and The Human State. His most recent film and television work include I Still Believe, Good Joe Bell, and the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. He starred as Jack Garrett on the series Criminal Minds Beyond Borders, and for nine seasons as Detective Mac Taylor on the hit series CSI New York, both of which aired on CBS. He is an Emmy Golden Globe and two-time SAG Award winner for his roles in Truman and George Wallace. For nearly 40 years, Gary has been an advocate on behalf of America's service members, beginning in the early 1980s, supporting local Vietnam veterans groups in the Chicago area, and into the 1990s, when his portrayal of Lieutenant Dan formed an enduring connection with service members throughout the military community, and as he worked on behalf of the Disabled American Veterans Organization, which he continues to actively support today. Following the attacks of September 11, 2001, Sinisa's dedication to our nation's active duty defenders, veterans, first responders, and their families has become his personal crusade of support, service, and gratitude for all those who protect our freedom and serve our country. And I just felt that with Veterans Day, I couldn't imagine anyone more appropriate, and so I'm very pleased to welcome my guest and somebody I admire deeply, Gary Sinise. Thank you for joining me again. You know, we last talked in November 2019, and you shared a lot about your acting career, but I wanted to have you back because. Here at Gingrich 360, we've named the Gary Sinise Foundation our charity of the month for November, and I wanted you to talk about the foundation, why you founded it, and what are some of the current projects you're supporting.
3: First of all, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be with you again, sir, and thank you for making the Gary Sinise Foundation your charity of the month. I couldn't be more grateful for you to do that and trying to draw some attention to what we're doing at the Gary Sinise Foundation. I They have so many different initiatives and programs going at the foundation, covering a lot of territory within the military, veteran and first responder space that we can always use more support. It's an expanding and growing foundation with many, many programs and something that I'm very, very committed to. I think probably among the, if not the most rewarding thing I've ever been able to do. I've been blessed to have a great career, blessed to have success in the movie and television business and blessed that I could kind of channel that success into doing some good for our military service members and their families. That's what the foundation is about, serving and honoring the needs of the men and women who serve our country. Many veterans in my own family, that's where it begins with me. And then as you said, I got involved Back in the 80s and 90s was supporting veterans in various ways. But it was really the turning point of September 11, 2001 that thrust me into a level of service that I never suspected, really, and never really thought that the Lieutenant Dan character in Forrest Gump would play a greater role in my life with regards to serving and honoring the needs of our service members than just being a part in a movie. So many things have happened along the way. I've met extraordinary people, and thankfully, the American people, after 10 years of forging ahead with the Gary Sinise Foundation, we have their trust as a reliable resource for their generosity to help us do more.
2: You've really been developing the program, and we were looking at some of the things you guys have accomplished. 74 specially adapted smart homes completed for severely wounded heroes. 102,000 attendees at the Invincible Spirit Festival since 2012, 554,000 meals served to our nation's defenders across the country, 1,121 veterans and guardians have participated in the Soaring Valor experiences, 325 emergency relief grants were awarded to police, firefighters and emergency medical technicians, 11,000 pieces of equipment have been donated by the Gary Foundation. 35 adapted vehicles provided to improve everyday life. You've donated your time playing 530 support concerts and 9,295 children of fallen military heroes and their surviving parent or guardian have joined you in the Snowball Express since 2018. I mean, this has really become a very major component of your life.
3: Yes, sir. Besides my family and Taking care of my family and looking out for them and the grandchildren and all of that. This is a priority for me and something that I'm focused on. I have a great team of people that we've been able to hire to expand the mission. I was doing this for several years, you know, supporting the military and going on USO tours and visiting the hospitals and traveling and supporting many, many different military charities out there. And it just became clear at a certain point that, that this was something that was going to be a part of my life for many, many years to come. And so I knew the next step was going to be to create my own military veteran first responder support nonprofit. I just believe that our country owes a great debt to the men and women who keep us safe and free. They don't ask for much. They don't get much they're volunteers. And if they're going to volunteer to go into dark and dangerous places to protect and defend freedom for me and my family, I feel as a public figure, there's something that I can do to help. And it was really, again, the turning point of September 11th. I wrote a book, Grateful American. I think that that might've been when we were talking last. My book is called Grateful American, A Journey from Self to Service. And There is a chapter in my book called Turning Point, which is the moment that I turned full on and full force into service work and this mission of helping our veterans. It was September 11th that did that. Life changed after that. I had been doing a play on Broadway that closed about six weeks before the attacks of September 11th, and that was the last play I did. That was 20 years ago because... Life just changed. I continued in the movie and television business, but everything else was devoted to traveling for the troops. And, you know, when you sit down and do a play you're there for six, eight months, you can't leave, you can't go. And life just turned in a different direction for me. It was certainly a turning point towards service. And I'll tell you one quick story, if I can, and remember... Mr. Speaker, the Friday after September 11th, September 11th was a Tuesday. And that Friday, President Bush had declared that the Friday would be a national day of prayer and remembrance for the victims of September 11th. So across the country, churches and houses of worship and synagogues, everything was packed to the gills. People were looking for some way to process this awful thing that we had witnessed on television. And so many had witnessed firsthand. And it was a terrible, terrible time. And I took my family, my kids were young. We were in our little Catholic church in our town, small church, but it was packed to the gills. And by the time we got there, there were no seats. And I was standing up on the side just holding my little daughter's hand, tears rolling down my face. And something happened to me. And the priest said something about service being a great healer. And I was looking for some way to heal a breaking heart. And from that moment, I started focusing on what can I do for the men and women You know, A short while later, we started deploying to Afghanistan. People started getting hurt. And having veterans in my family, having been involved with veterans in the 90s and the 80s, it hit me like a light bulb. I'm gonna go full force and make sure that what happened to our Vietnam veterans when they came home from war, the way the nation turned its back on them and treated them, and they had to regress into the shadows dealing with their pain by themselves, and I wanted to make sure that those deploying to Afghanistan and Iraq would not face the same thing when coming home, that they would know that they were appreciated. And so I started going to them, and I got on airplanes, and I went to the war zones, and I went to different countries where our troops are deployed and started visiting them, and it manifested into a full-time mission that has continued on and on into the founding of the Gary Sinise Foundation.
0: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
2: was your first USO tour in Iraq. What do you remember about that trip? Did that impress you, that experience of being with the troops?
3: Oh, no question. It was actually June of that year. I went on my first USO tour. I volunteered and called them up and said, please, I want to do something for the troops. I want to go to Iraq. I want to visit them. And they had set up a big tour that a lot of entertainers were on. And it was in June of 2003. It was the first big USO tour. Remember when the statue of Saddam Hussein got yanked down in that town square? Our soldiers tied a chain around the statue, hooked it up to a tank, and then pulled the thing down. And that was in April of 2003. And in June of 2003, I was in Baghdad just two months after that. I mean, all the kinds of entertainers were on that trip. Northwest Airlines gave us a 747 and 180 people got on that airplane and went over to Iraq and split up. And we went all over the place visiting troops. And it was life changing. It was galvanizing. As soon as I got back, I said, where can I go now? I didn't have a job at that <laughs> at that time, so uh, I was like, send me somewhere. And so within two weeks of getting back from that trip, I was in Italy on July 4th, visiting troops in Italy. And then I came back, and I had a movie that was going to open at the Venice Film Festival at the end of August. And I told the USO, I said, I'm going to be in Venice at a film festival. I want to go somewhere else when I'm done with that film festival. So they sent me to Germany and I went to Germany. So within three months, I've done, you know, three tours. And then I came back and I went to Fort Stewart for the first time. I went to Walter Reed. I was in the hospitals. I was all over the place. And by November, I was back in Iraq again for my second trip to Iraq. So about six months in 2003 were the galvanizing months that set me on this nonstop course of supporting the men and women who serve our country, starting a band, started taking my band out there, started going here, there, and everywhere. And it all came together eventually into the creation of the Gary Sinise Foundation in 2011.
2: So as you're doing this, what's the point where you decided to form the Lieutenant Dan Band?
3: Well, I'll tell you, it was funny. So I did all those trips in 2003, right? And they were handshake tours. You get on an airplane, you go over there, you shake hands with the troops, you take pictures, you visit with them, sign autographs, just visit. I just kept going to visit and to tell them I appreciated them. And again, with Vietnam veterans and my family and remembering what it was like for them to not get any gratitude and appreciation, I went overboard with our Iraq and Afghanistan veterans to make sure that they knew they were appreciated. So I was doing things all over the place. And on that very first tour, to Iraq. Kid Rock was on that tour. And Leanne Womack was on that tour. And Wayne Newton was on that tour. And there were others that were entertainers. I was just Lieutenant Dan going there to say hi and thank you. But it was a big entertainment tour. We had performances that we did and Kid Rock played and all these entertainers entertain. And then they'd say Gary Sinise is here. And I got up and said something and then introduced one of the entertainers. And on that trip, I said to the USO, you know, I have a band. I have some people that I play with. I'd like to do this too, you know. And they didn't take it very seriously because I'm an actor. And generally, actors with bands are not that impressive. But I kept going on these tours and doing this handshake thing. And every time I would go on a tour that year, I would say, you know, I have a band. I'd like to take my band. Well, eventually they said, okay, they would allow me to take my band. And at that time, it was just some musicians that I played with for fun every once in a while. But I got to call them up and say, guess what, we're going to rehearse some songs and we're going to go on a tour for the USO. In February of 2004, they sent us on our first overseas tour to Diego Garcia, which you probably know where that is. It's in the middle of nowhere out in the Indian Ocean. So it's about as far as you can get away from civilization. (laughs) And and that's where they sent my band to play first. But it was great because, you know, it was our first trip. We played two shows, two nights in Diego Garcia. They don't get a lot of entertainment down there. And they had B-1 bombers that were flying from Diego Garcia over Afghanistan doing these bombing runs and they sent us out there and we entertained them and then we went to Singapore after that and then we went to Korea after that and that was our first tour with the Lieutenant Dan Band I came back and I said where can I go now I want to go to U.S. bases so they put together a bus and truck and we went to three or four U.S. bases within three months and you mentioned the number of concerts that I've donated my time to I have to pay all the production costs and pay the band members and everything, but I play for free. And since those early days, it's 530 some concerts. We just played Friday night at Nellis Air Force Base for everybody there. So we continue to do it. And I love doing it. I love seeing the smiles on the faces of the men and women who serve our country.
2: I have to ask, what do you play?
3: I'm the bass player. All right. Yeah, you should go to our website, Gary and go to our YouTube channel, you'll be able to see the band playing.
2: (laughs) Does this go back to high school or when did you pick up the bass?
3: Yes, well it goes back to my first guitar in fourth grade back in the 60s. I was a big Beach Boys fan and I loved the Beach Boys. I wanted to be like the Beach Boys and I got a guitar and started to learn how to play it. The guy who plays the bass early on is usually the guy who's least proficient on the six string guitar. So they said, we're going to take two strings away from and you're going to play bass. (laughs) And so I started playing bass and I loved it. And I played bass in high school and bands all the way through high school into my early 20s. And then I got so busy with Steppenwolf Theater that you mentioned, which I started when I was 18 with my pals, that I just didn't play for a while. And then I picked it up again in the late 90s just for fun. And then along came September 11th, and I wanted to do something to help our troops. And what does an actor do? You know, you call the USO, and then I wanted to entertain, so I started playing music for him.
2: I have to tell you two things. One, my grandson Robert plays the bass, so I now got to report this into him that he does have a future.
3: <laughs> well, I play for free. I don't make a living. If I had to make a living at it, I don't know.
2: <laughs> and then second, in terms of picking up an instrument after a while, Callista just after her tour as the ambassador had gotten away from her French horn, and she's always played in the Fairfax Community Band. So she's now taking it back up for the Christmas concert this year. She's going through some of that, you know, getting to learn her horn again routine.
3: Fantastic. It's never too late.
2: Exactly. She's doing a fine job of it, but my job is to be audience. I have no musical talent of any kind. I sit and applaud. Let me ask you, I mean, this is really remarkable, both what you've put in, but also some of the things you've developed. I had the opportunity a couple years ago to go to the National World War II Museum, which I think is a real asset for the country. And you have a soaring valor program where your foundation both sends World War II veterans to visit the museum, but also records their stories to share with the world. As a historian, I think that's a tremendous concept. But how did you come up with all that?
3: Well, sir, I've had a great relationship with the National World War II Museum. There's no World War II Museum like it. It is the premier tribute to the men and women who served during that period of time. And the stories that are told there are remarkable, as you know. It's a fantastic museum that continues to grow. Years ago, back in 09, 2010, around in there, they opened a movie at the museum called Beyond All Boundaries. And they built a theater, and it's an incredible experience. 45-minute uh, film telling the story of World War II. It's so beautiful, and... Tom Hanks was one of the producers on it, and Tom was putting together some actors to do voice work for the movie. And he called me up and asked me if I would do the voice of Ernie Pyle in Beyond All Boundaries. And I went into the studio, I recorded that, and then I went down to the museum to see the museum. And having World War II veterans in my family, one was still alive, my uncle Jack, he had never been to the museum, so I sent him down there, and they were recording our World War II veterans on videotape and preserving them there in the archive, and they used them throughout the museum, where you can punch a button and you'll see an elderly World War II veteran talking about a particular battle or, you know, a moment that they experienced during World War II, and that helps us To put everything in context as we learn the stories of World War II, my Uncle Jack recorded one of those videos when he went down there. And when my Uncle Jack passed away at 90 years old in 2014, I called Nick Mueller, one of the co-founders with Stephen Ambrose of the museum. And I said, Nick, I want to do something to help the museum I'd like to, you know, my uncle got to go there and he got to be recorded and every family should have that recording of their World War II veteran. What can we do? And every World War II veteran should see that museum and we're losing them rapidly. And so Nick said, you know, one way that you could help is by funding another historian. If you funded another historian, we'd be able to record many more of these stories, because not only do they record them at the museum, but there are many veterans that can't travel. So they will send the production team to the veteran. And so I said, done. And my foundation started funding one of the historians. And we also have a tremendous relationship with American Airlines. I wanted to get these World War II veterans to go see this museum. So I contacted my friends at America and I said, I'd like to start a program where we put these veterans on these airplanes and we take them down there for two or three days and let them see the museum, let them experience the museum. My foundation will fund hotel rooms and food and whatever we need to do. If you'll provide the transportation, we'll take care of the rest. And so Americans said, yes, I was doing quite a bit with American on many fronts. They'd been so supportive of our veterans. And we created Soaring Valor, and we've taken hundreds and hundreds of World War II veterans to the National World War II Museum. You can go to GarySiniseFoundation.org, go to the YouTube channel, and you'll see dozens of videos. And then one additional element that I wanted to add was teaming up these World War II veterans with high school students. Those trips are remarkable. We will offer a high school the opportunity to pair up 20, 30, 40 high school students with 20 or 30 or 40 World War II veterans. And these students get to travel with a World War II veteran to the museum, experience the museum through their eyes, and learn from it. And it is life-changing for these students. It's really a galvanizing moment and something that I'll always be proud to have been a part of.
2: It's an amazing program that the Foundation has.
0: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
2: You know, the most recent combat casualties were the 13 young Americans who were killed in Afghanistan. And I understand that Dave Charpentier, who's a U.S. Navy veteran, he owns Northwood's Greenhouse and Ice Cream in Prentice, Wisconsin. And my wife and my son-in-law are both cheeseheads, so they have some identity with Prentice, Wisconsin. But he apparently was so deeply affected when the 13 U.S. service members were killed in August that he hung 13 flags side by side in his ice cream store. And then he held a fundraiser over Liberty weekend, raised over $1,000 selling ice cream, all of which he donated to the Gary Sinise Foundation. Do you find this kind of spontaneous citizenship really is kind of at the heart of what you're doing
3: well any donation to the Gary Sinise Foundation are always so very much appreciated I don't take for granted that people have seen me out there doing things and talking about having a foundation and taking in donations from the public so that we can do all these different things I feel a a tremendous responsibility when somebody makes a donation like that. They are basically saying, I trust you. I support you. I want you to take this generosity and these contributions and get them to the right place. And I feel a tremendous responsibility. I'm glad that he chose the Gary Sinise Foundation because we have so many programs and we're supporting so many veterans out there, many Afghan veterans who have been wounded, Gold Star families who've lost loved ones in Afghanistan. I feel deeply for each and every one of them that are going through these things. And I know that people like Dave in Wisconsin feels the same way. And you want to try to find some way to channel that. You're in pain. You want to do something. You want to take up the charge. That's exactly what happened to me. I mean, Like I said, September 11th, I watched those airplanes go into those buildings and I was called to action and tried to do something. And when I started my foundation, I had already been very, very active with military and veterans supporting multiple charities and out there. So I already had a pretty good reputation for trying to do this work. And I put my name on this foundation Because I wanted people to know how much it means. You know, I could have called it something else, but I put my name on it. And I did that because I had been working so relentlessly in trying to get out there and make sure that our troops were taken care of, that when somebody makes a donation to me, they are basically saying, you know, I trust you to do the right thing with it. They're going through some personal pain, seeing the men and women coming back from the war zones broken knowing that families are losing loved ones and they want to try to do something to help. And that's exactly what I tried to do. I thank everybody who makes donations like that, who take up the charge to raise money and donate it to the Gary Sinise Foundation.
2: Well, I think if our listeners just think about the time investment to do 530 concerts and all the other things you've done. I mean, you've dedicated not just your money, but you've dedicated your life To making a difference. And in that context, I want to ask you, from your perspective with all the things you've done, how do you view Veterans Day? What does it mean to you?
3: Well, having a foundation with a mission each day to serve our veterans, I feel like every day is Veterans Day. It's my day to salute our veterans. We're actually giving a home away, Veterans Day, our seventy-fifth home, to a service member in Texas. And we continue this mission veterans day is a special moment for the american people to salute our american veterans mr speaker being a historian you know the history of veterans day it was armistice day at the end of world war 1 november 11th 1918 but in 1954 after having gone through world war 1 world war II, and korea dwight eisenhower wrote a proclamation changing Armistice Day to Veterans Day to honor all American veterans. And this happened in 1954. And from 1954 on, Armistice Day has been Veterans Day. It's our day in America to salute and celebrate the men and women who have served our country. That is a special day for all of us to pay attention to those who have served. I suggest to anyone listening out there, and I know your listeners are very tuned in to supporting our veterans anyway but make a gesture you know there are veterans in every restaurant across the country they wear those little hats with their branch of service on it There are men and women in active duty in uniform pat them on the back buy them a meal tell them thank you just to send them a note go to your local va we have thousands of veterans living in the va who are lonely who've been forgotten, who don't really have families. And the VA has taken care of them. That's where they live. And just going in there and patting them on the back, taking them a meal or just sitting down with them and showing them that what they have done for our country matters to you. That'll make a big difference in their lives. I always take those opportunities, just pat them on the back. And that can change somebody's life. I mean, for example, if you're a soldier and you're walking through an airport and somebody comes up to you and pats you on the back and says, you know, I appreciate what you do. You, as the person who's doing the patent on the back, you don't know what this service member has been through. Maybe he just lost 10 friends. Maybe he was at the Kabul airport. Maybe he's got a bunch of wounded buddies. Maybe somebody's committed suicide that he knows. Maybe he's going through some difficult times. And you coming up and just saying, hey, thank you. I appreciate you. I'm grateful to you. That may change that day, change that week, change that month for that service member.
2: You know, I read a quote where you said, quote, while we can never do enough for our defenders and their loved ones, we can always do a little more. I think anybody who listens to this and thinks about what you have done is going to be encouraged and challenged to also do a little more. And I really think you are a remarkable citizen you're setting a remarkable standard, and I think you've influenced the lives of literally tens of thousands of Americans by well, your effort. And I hope over the next few years that you'll continue to do that. I want to encourage our listeners to go to GarySiniseFoundation.org slash donate. We're also making a donation today to help support the programs that Gary has developed that help veterans, first responders, and their families. I also wanted to say, Gary, I'm Very, very grateful that you would take this time to join us. And I think that anybody who hears this today is going to be deeply moved by your patriotism and your commitment and the extraordinary sacrifices you've made to be able to help those who defend our freedoms.
3: Sir, thank you for having me today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of what we're doing at the Gary Sinise Foundation and thank you for your service to our country all these years. God bless you.
2: Thank you to my guest, Gary Sinise. You can get a link to the Gary Sinise Foundation supporting veterans, first responders, and their families on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newtsworld. Newt's World.
0: WORK.